What does he want? Is he hungry? I don't know what he wants. I think he wants my attention, I think. Well, let him sit on your lap then, and you can just stroke I'm, him while we do the podcast. Well, I'm lying cross-legged on the floor there, so... Well, he can still lie in your lap. No, he won't. No, he wants me to sit on the sofa with a blanket this afternoon, <laughs> so... Come on, boy. Quiet him down now, yeah? You know, quiet him down. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like a sound effect. <laughs> please, sit down, please. This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. If you fancy grabbing yourself any gear from Luke, don't forget to use that code MAX20, which gets you 20% off everything over there, including for sale items. So there's some brilliant bargains to be had over at Luke. Go and use that code MAX20. Hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. We are back to winning ways. Honestly, doing a podcast after a Villa win is 10 times better than talking about in the last three weeks' defeats. A brilliant win at Goodison Park. I'm your host, Max Stokes, joined by Simon Lyons, as always. Some weekend that was, mate. Some weekend. Yeah, honestly, yesterday was just... um... It was, it was just a great away day, wasn't it? It was like, it was one of my favourite runs for a while, actually. And I always say I love the I love the Liverpool away days. And yeah, it was just, uh, it was so, so good. Uh, great, great, great time before the game in the pub and stuff. And then Villa pull out a 2-0 performance. And uh, yeah, you, you can't beat it, can you? But yeah, what, what a day. It just sets you up for the weekend, really, doesn't it? Quality. Yeah, I stayed up in Liverpool because my um, my sister lives up there. So I didn't get the coach this week. I, I went up early on the, on the Friday night and stayed up there. I love Liverpool in general. I think it's a really, really class city. Really good. Although there were no, I came back to, as we as we're recording this on the Sunday. There was no direct trains back to Birmingham, which I thought was bizarre. So it's, I've only literally got in about an hour and a half ago, so uh, no rest for the wicked. A pretty busy weekend, but look, a Villa win just sets up your week brilliantly. Absolutely unbelievable. And today, Sunday, I did the Coronation Street tour. <laughs> if anyone uh, is a fan of Coronation Street, that's probably about three of you listening. Um, I did the tour today. Although, so I know me and you watch it. They didn't let us do the indoor studios. It was only literally outside which was a bit bizarre so i paid 35 quid for a tour didn't even get to see inside weird yeah but i don't i don't i think that's how it always is now though like on the old one they used to let you go on the set and stuff like inside yeah. but um yeah but they don't when i went a few years ago when the new one opened it was just all like the outdoor set and stuff and it was good but yeah you don't you don't see any of the indoor stuff anymore yeah, yeah so it's all gone now shocking because i did the tour on the old set when i was like what 12 or something and we got to see indoors but obviously it's a new set now not that anybody listening really cares but yeah a great weekend if you haven't already checked out the Everton video on the Villa on Tour YouTube channel go and give that a watch had some really good feedback on that so definitely worth a watch if you haven't already go and check out the Milan video on the Villa on Tour YouTube channel as well obviously our trip to Milan a couple of weeks ago go and check that video out really proud of how that one turned out a bit of admin as well please do leave a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on five stars always very much appreciated Subscribe, of course, on Apple, Spotify, whatever you're listening on, because it really does help support the podcast, helps it push out that little bit more, and obviously ensures that you never miss an episode. But without further ado, let's talk about this quality away day, Everton away. (laughs) 
Well, so you've touched on it briefly already. That was just the picture book perfect away day, wasn't it? From the pub beforehand to the game, to the atmosphere, to the stadium. Just thought it was wicked. The pub we went in beforehand was literally right outside Anfield, wasn't it? It was a proper boozer. It was a proper uh, Liverpool pub as well. Had like Liverpool scarves everywhere. And you might have seen if you've watched the, uh, the, the video on your YouTube that they um, did like some announcement and they were like talking about like bigging Villa up and really wanting us to get the three points. Just thought that pre-match atmosphere in the pub was was brilliant on Saturday. Yeah, it was nice, weren't it? And we, we changed it up a little bit because last year at Everton we went to the Weatherspoons, which was right by um, right by the right by the Everton ground, but it was a bit busy in there last year and uh, you couldn't really get a drink and stuff, so we changed it up and we went to uh, the Arkles right by Anfield, yeah. Really traditional old pub, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, it was just nice. You could get a drink easily. There's a lot of staff on and it was just nice atmosphere, wasn't it? We were all there. There was quite a lot of us in there and um, yeah, we had a good laugh in there, didn't we really? And they had, they had the championship game on the 12.30 as well, so you could watch that. And so, yeah, it was nice. And then uh, just a 10, 15 minute stroller across Stanley Park from Anfield over to Goodison Park. Yeah, as I say, I, I really like the um, the Liverpool away games. I just I, I just think they've got that something, I don't know, special to them. They, they, they always feel that, that bit better for me. We always tend to stay over in Liverpool, don't we? I know you guys didn't this year, but we said we're going to stay over for uh, Liverpool away. Which is, is that the last away game? Definitely going to stay over for that one, aren't we? Yeah, it's the last away game, and um, yeah, I think we're. Uh, I think we'll get together, and we'll all, yeah, we'll all, we'll we'll all stay over that that game definitely, especially as soon as though it's the last one. Yeah, hundred percent. Fancy dress, as <laughs> it's the last. Everyone always says fancy dress for the last away game, but I don't think anyone really does it, do they? No, anymore? We all we always say it, but we never actually get around to doing. It. I don't <laughs> think we ever. I don't think. I, th- I think we lose the confidence by the time yeah. by the time it comes. We always lose that bit of confidence to wear a fancy dress. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't happen very much anymore. I, me- I remember years ago, like the loads of fans used to do it on the last away day. But uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen that for a while. I don't want to do it because I'm traumatized from a, a horrible experience I had in primary school, where I thought it was a fancy dress school disco. It wasn't, so I rocked up looking like a, an idiot, where everyone else is just dressed normally. So I'm, I'm traumatized from that. So I don't want the same happening at the football. But I remember a great occasion with fancy dress on the last day. Though I remember, I think it was under O'Neill. It was O'Neill's first season when we went to Bolton on the last day. I think we drew two-two. And there was a bloke there dressed up as um, he was dressed up as Michael Jackson, <laughs> and, and uh, he was sitting on like, the, the front row of like the upper tier, and uh, he had like a, a baby doll sort of thing. Oh my god! And he was god. like, and he was sort of like hanging the baby doll over the uh, <laughs> over over the over over the balcony, just as Michael Jackson did it in Berlin all the years ago. So it just I don't know, it really amused me at the time. I was a teenager, and it just really, really, really amused me at the time. He definitely purposely got a ticket in the front tier, uh, the front row of the upper tier. He knew what he was doing, that bloke. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. But you know what? Top marks though, because it was a great effort. So fair play to it. Yeah, fair play. And we'll talk about Everton, the, the stadium, Goodison Park, mate. We went in there and we said to each other, like, this, this is tough. Like, this is proper. I absolutely love Goodison Park. I think it's probably my favourite away day in the Premier League. And I've I've been to every single away. Uh, end in, in the Premier League I've done every single ground then you have as well but Everton away is I love it the wooden seats the, how small it is how traditional it is I just love Goodison Park it's so good yeah it's great isn't it it's so so traditional um, as soon as you walk in you realise wow this is a proper traditional old stadium and yeah I, I love it and um I, I suppose it's it's a, it's a great thing for Everton moving to the new stadium in a couple of years time but I think as I think as an away fan, it's a bit of a shame. I think it I think it will take away from the experience a little bit because obviously we're talking about how we were in the pub beforehand over the park over at Anfield and we had a nice stroll over the park to the ground and then I don't know it's it's going to change, isn't it? It's going to change because obviously they're not going to be right next to each other um, and it is going to change that little bit. But um, yeah, I love Goodison Park uh, and really just felt like you know we had to be there, didn't we? Because well, if Everton do go down, then 
well, it's like, well, yeah, it's very likely that it'll be the last time we go yesterday. So, no, it's great to be there. Really great stadium. And um, I quite like Everton as a club. They they do sort of remind me of, of, of Villa as a club, really, in terms of in terms of the stadium, in terms of the stature. And, yeah, I, I, I do like Everton. I do. But, yeah, Goodison Park, yeah, brilliant. I've been to Goodison Park a couple of times, but I've never actually sat on the wooden seats. So, I, I think it's Everton's a bit weird. It's got, like, an upper tier and a lower tier, but there's also, like, multiple tiers within the lower tier. It's quite strange. You'll know if you've been. Um, but last year, we sat quite further forward than we did this time the wooden seats I've never ever sat in wooden seats before I know Burnley have got them obviously Everton have a couple, couple of other clubs Fulham as well but the wooden seats it's so good isn't it I absolutely it's like, like stepping back in time in a way it's it's so good I love it do you know what I rate it though I said this to you yesterday that because because of the design of them they were like slightly like uh, higher up weren't they they were sort mm. of like perching seats um and if you are a tall fella like like like, like we are um <laughs> it's perfect isn't it really because you're on that elevated level and you've got that sort of plenty of leg room so yeah I, I i was a big fan of it however old they are i was a real big fan of it to be honest yeah the new stadium but I, I, hopefully it's not going to be like one of these soulless bowls obviously gonna, it's going to have an element of that because that's how you get the most people in the stadium you fill in the corners but i watched um a video on youtube of like the update of how the new everton stadiums go in firstly i think it's in a nice you know area like it's on the docks of liverpool a little bit further north that's quality I mean, it's only a matter of time before someone falls in the River Mersey after an away game after too many beers. But I just think, like, I encourage people to go and watch that video on how the um, Everton Stadium's looking at the moment. Just like an update video, like time lapses and stuff like that. Like, it is looking decent. And obviously, it's going to be a shame to lose a traditional English football ground. But the new one, obviously, does look very good as well. But we've never lost to Everton since we've been promoted. That's unbelievable. Normally, we love having a bogey team and we have all these stats thrown out before we play a lot of teams. But since we've been promoted, we've played them eight times, six wins and two draws. I think it's safe to say that Aston Villa are Everton's bogey team in the last few years. We always seem to turn up, don't we? We really do. And um, I was—I wouldn't say I was fearful yesterday, but I thought it was a really tough game to, for us to play Everton yesterday. Obviously, they've, uh, they've got the new manager in with Sean Dyche, and we know how... We know how his teams play. They're quite, you know, they're quite effective, aren't they? Probably not pretty to to watch, but they're fairly effective. And I think um, we've all been talking about if Everton are going to stay up, it's going to be their home form, which which is which is key to that, really. And so mm. I thought it was a really tough game yesterday. I thought it was a tough game for Villa to navigate, um, and I was just glad that we ended up showing that quality, which which we know we have got in the side. Um, it was a bit, it was a bit of a scrappy performance and a scrappy game, but it was always going to be that, really, wasn't? I don't think any of us ever expected us to go there and you know turn on the style and um sort of sort of play them off the park. I don't think that was ever gonna gonna be the case. I mean we had to match them for sort of desire and work rate and um and, and and we did that and I thought and I thought that was really pleasing. Yeah, I think pre game, I think we were all talking about how we expected the game to go and I think it was fairly obvious in that way. And I think team news backed that up as well. I think Wendy dropping down to the bench, there being no Coutinho, which it's since come out that it looks like he's gonna be out until April with some sort of injury. I'm not clued up on what exactly that is, but that doesn't look great at all. He gets that goal against Arsenal, he's getting that confidence back and he's had a few really good cameo appearances. He gets that start against Arsenal, like I said, gets that goal. And he's out for what is looking like, what, five, six weeks? So Mm. unfortunate for Coutinho, isn't it? That's such a shame for him. Yeah, it's a hamstring injury, apparently. Um, Well, that's not good. Yeah, hamstring injury, which is typical, though, isn't it? It's one of them things that can just happen to anybody, really, isn't it? In training, it's just one of them. You know, you pull up, you feel your hamstring, and, wow, you're ruled out for for a number of weeks because, obviously, you risk it getting a lot worse if you you do play on it. And so, yeah, it's frustrating, and it feels like it's... um, Feels like it's just not meant to be for Coutinho, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. he's just starting to 
come into that form. And I think he's been good in the last few few games. Obviously, he started last week against Arsenal. And um, he had a couple of cameos before that when he, when he was looking quite good. And so, yeah, it's a big shame for him, really. And obviously, it sort of dwindles our options, you know, in that final third again, really. So, yeah, disappointing. Yeah, typical. Big, big shame uh, for Coutinho and Villa, to be honest. I think we need him. I think yesterday, people were saying sort of no Coutinho, no Buendia starting. Where's the creativity going to come from? But I could see it because I think Ramsey comes back in and Ramsey was a little bit, he's been a little bit quiet since he's come back from his his own injury. I think he struggled to sort of get himself into the game and really, you know, get himself on the ball because that's why he's in the team, isn't it? He's the only sort of one, or one of the only ones who's really good at driving with the ball and being that big, strong lad that we know that he is, that he can, he can carry the ball better than a lot of other players. So I sort of see why he'd let Buendia out because although Buendia's got a great record against Everton, is he a little bit lightweight? Obviously, he's got that flair. He's going to be up for it. You know, he's a little a little warrior. But I could see why Ramsey came in and obviously that proved well because I thought Ramsey was much better at the weekend than he has been in the previous weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. And the second half especially, I thought um, he came out second half and he, he really sort of took the game to Everton. And I, and I think I was I was watching Match of the Day um, this morning, actually, and um, and they had a bit of analysis from Danny Murphy, actually. I'm not normally Danny Murphy's biggest fan, but I thought he got his analysis absolutely spot on. He was talking about how uh, Unai Emery likes to play quite like a flat sort of midfield four with, with, with two sort of central midfielders out in them wide positions and obviously that's uh, Ramsey and John McGinn at the moment in Villa's team um, and, and he was talking about how that caused Everton problems yesterday in, in regards to obviously they're, they're used to sort of being sitting midfielders but with McGinn and Ramsey they're, they're so fluid in that formation under Emery um, that you know we've got sort of midfielders popping up all over the place sometimes they're sitting sometimes they're in that attacking midfield sometimes they're driving on sometimes they're on the wing um, and that sort of versatility of McGinn and Ramsey sort of helped Villa yesterday I thought and um, and it's second off especially most most things that we did all came all all through Jacob Ramsey and McGinn. Um, every good opportunity that we created yesterday in the second half all came through those two, and so I think they caused a lot of problems for um for Everton. And it's probably the reason why we won the game in the end. You know, I think if you look at if you look at both goals, obviously John McGinn wins the penalty for the first one, um, and then obviously the the second one is key to it again. Watkins lays it off to him, and he gets that ball to Buendia who obviously finishes it off and so yeah re- really really key and I thought um, I thought McGeehan was exceptional for the whole game yesterday but yeah and I thought JJ especially had a had a great game second half and when he's in that form um, he's, he's he's hard to stop he's got that pace he's got that little extra yard of pace against other players and he's quite strong actually for a you, you look at him you think he's quite a skinny lad you know he's, he wouldn't be so strong but he is really when he's running with a ball it's quite yeah. it's quite difficult to, to, to stop him doing it and so yeah I thought them two were really key for us yesterday and um, yeah I quite I do quite like that in Emory system how fluid they are you think that you know they'll be sort of rigid, sort of wide players, but they're really not. They're all all over the pitch. Um, yeah, and it worked. It worked wonders yesterday. Yeah, if you look on paper, it looks like Villa have got four central midfielders: Kamara and Louise, obviously in the middle, and then McGinn and Ramsey, your classic sort of you know central midfielders. But obviously Emery plays that way and plays them out wide. I think that's that's kind of what we had to. I know Emery likes to do that anyway, but I think against Everton that was clever as well. So I, I quite like their midfield. I think it's quite strong. Decore, obviously Drissagan again, Onana as well. I think Onana was the standout for me at the. Week weekend I think that's sort of what we had to do because for me that's that's quite a, a strong midfield um we'll get into the game then and sort of you know the chances that both teams had I think the first real chance fell to Watkins didn't it against Pickford and a lot of people were talking about should that have been a penalty but for me I, I, I think it's decent goalkeeper I know Pickford goes in with sort of that 
that scissor action, but I think he's got to make himself big and I'm, I'm not sure that's a penalty for me. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think for me, first of all, it was a, it was a great sort of ball by Kamara. That vision to yeah. see Watkins' run was really good from Kamara. And then Watkins did really well, actually. The way he took it down and, um, mm. and get into a position to, you know, to get a shot off and, you know, a, a chance. I thought that was really good from Watkins. And he got his shot off before, before Pitford obviously yeah. had, uh, did the follow through. And the thing is, like that aside, what's the goalkeeper supposed to do there? I mean, he's trying to save it. Do you know what I mean? He's trying to save it. And to be fair to him, he has saved it. So, I don't. I don't really know what he's supposed to do. You can't always stop somebody from from, from following through. And I, I get what people are saying. He sometimes plays in that dangerous way with that scissor action. But I didn't think there was too much wrong with it. If, 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 if I'm being honest, I think if that was the other way round and say Everton had got a penalty for Martinez doing that, I'd have felt pretty disappointed. If I'm being honest, yeah. I think most people's minds are going back to do you remember what Edison did against Arsenal, where it was Enketia that had already played the ball, but then Edison clatters him after the ball's gone. Yeah. I think people yeah. might have been referring back to that, but I think it's slightly different. I think I think in the end, Pickford probably does quite well. I think I think Villa started well. To be fair, I think first. 10 15 minutes we did we had quite a bit of the ball but i think as the first half went on i think everton grew a little bit and um they had uh, probably i think overall in the game villa probably had more of the ball but in the first half everton probably did and it came down uh, everton's left hand side i think cash probably had a little bit of a tough first half and although he grew into the game in the second half he was much better i think he won the most tackles in the game that villa tweeted that um, but I think he struggled and Everton's a lot of what Everton were doing was coming down that left-hand side with McNeil, wasn't it? Yeah, I think for Cash, it was a real sort of game of two halves um, kind of thing because first half, I think McNeil did get the better of him on a fair few occasions. But second half, I've got to say, I think it was probably Cash's best performance under Emery, if I'm being honest. I thought he was really good second half, you know, which sort of went along with how the team team were as well because yeah you're right we had a strong opening sort of 10-15 minutes when we when we dominated the ball um and we we looked comfortable didn't we really and I think I said to you you know we're absolutely dominating play here um and they started coming back coming back into it which you would expect as the home team didn't do a massive amount I mean Martins made made the one uh save off Anana's header and they had the the one which um from the corner which went wide as well but I don't think there was a much danger to Teremi Martins's goal to be honest with you and I and I think I think their sort of powder puff sort of strike force kind of showed through yesterday. Really, they didn't they didn't seem to have anybody who was that sort of you know leading figure, did they? I don't think we ever looked majorly in danger. If I'm being honest, I'm just wondering how you could see Cashy's second half performance around that pole. Well, it's oh, I kept, I don't know if you I don't know if you noticed, but I kept dipping to the left and then dipping to the right <laughs> every time every time the ball was in that area where the pole was. So, so basically, I, I was just basically seeing the start of the move and the end of the move around the pole basically because uh, yeah, very unfortunate. Uh, ticket buying that was although um I f- although I think that was me who bought them ones wasn't it so yeah yeah I mean I'll, you bought I'll, them. I'll myself for that one <laughs> that's funny yeah I think Everton had, had a couple of chances in the first half Onana's header like you said was probably the most the most important one if people have listened to this podcast before they'd know that my pet hate is linesman my second pet hate after that right and I know it, it gets on your nerves as well is home fans screaming handball when it's obviously not handball. I think I think uh, Onana's head of that chance comes from them screaming about Cash. I think McNeil plays it against uh, Cash's chest. And the home fans just scream handball. I think Liverpool are the worst for it. That's what I've experienced. They're just absolutely no way they just love screaming and moaning it really does my head in well it's not even just for handballs though it's for everything it's yeah. for like it's for players like walking two yards up the sideline to take the throw in or whatever and just moan at every decision even if it's like a blatant foul which the referee's given towards Villa um and the, the the fans are going absolutely crazy about it and 
I don't know how people have the I don't know how people have the energy to do it. Like they keep <laughs> popping up every like few seconds, going absolutely crazy. Um, I respect I respect the passion, I do, but it's just a bit, it's just a bit irritating, isn't it? It's like, well, come on, just let the let the game play out. Like it's not a horrendous decision; it's just a normal decision being made there. So, but you're right, Everton, Everton fans yesterday were really, really sort of really bad for it. Yeah, the amount of times me and you standing on a way end and we're just shaking our heads, like just 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 shut up, like what what you're <laughs> shouting out. Honestly, the amount of yeah. times it does my head, and it's so bizarre um but that probably bring, brings us to half time someone commented on on the youtube video saying great first half highlights and i'm like well if you watch the game nothing really happened but <laughs> i'll tell you what i think I, I was pretty content with nil nil i think i was pretty happy with that after conceding what 11 in three games previously i think a clean sheet was what i was looking for yesterday and you know you were saying at half time as well that you could see it going you know villa's way with the one nil i think oh, that was that was pretty obvious. I think it was, it was quite obvious how that was going to go. Um, but nil nil half time, pretty content, especially with Everton probably edging it in the first half. Yeah, I think the thing for me, the thing that pleased me probably was that we've been a bit 100 miles an hour in the last few weeks in regards to, you know, we get the ball and fans are sort of screaming for us to, you know, hurry up and get it up there. And, and, I, and, I, and I said to you yesterday, like, you can't, when, you know, when you win the ball back, you can't always have a successful transition. It doesn't, it doesn't happen all the time. And so you, we've got to slow it down at times. You've got to be content to try and keep the ball and have that little bit of possession. Um, in recent weeks, we've been sort of winning the ball back and, you know, getting it forward as quick as you possibly can. And when it works, it works really well. Obviously, um, the goal against Arsenal, um, the Coutinho goal against Arsenal, is, is is point proven. Kind of the Watkins one as well, really. When Cash when Cash gets it against Arsenal, so both of them were sort of products of a really good successful transition. But you can't do that all the time, though. You know, mm-hmm. teams are going to block you off uh, at, at, at points, and sometimes if you play that ball too early, you lose, you end up losing possession. Um, and I said to you yesterday, we need to be try and be content. And, and I think as fans as well, we've got to learn that you know it's not a bad thing that we're trying to keep possession. It's not a, it's not a bad thing that we're sort of slowing the game down because yeah. um, you know in certain games like against Arsenal at home last week, that favours Arsenal. They play in a very quick tempo. They keep the ball really well. Um, and then yesterday again, you know Everton are at home. They're gonna they're gonna be up for it. And if you keep giving them the ball the ball back, then then you know you're gonna shoot yourselves in the foot. And so. I thought we did that better yesterday. Not not perfect, but I thought we did it better. We um I thought we sort of slowed the game down when we needed to and we um we kept the ball better yesterday. Um and I thought that helped us, if I'm being honest with you. It helped us get to half time at nil nil, sort of reassess. Um and then obviously the second half came when some some of our big hitters then got into the game, the likes of McGinn and Ramsey and obviously Buendir off the bench. Um and then in the end, it was that bit of quality that won us the game. And that's what we were looking for, really. And it was I said to you at half-time, I think we'll win this game in the second half. And um, it, it just it felt so up for it. It was like at Southampton. I said to you at half-time at Southampton, I think we'll win this game second half. And um, it just felt like we were set up for it. We sort of we sort of had, had a fair bit of the ball. We were, we were keeping it okay without being brilliant. Um, and then, obviously, we had that little bit of quality in the second half, which, which went and won us the game. It was a typical Unai Emery performance, really. It was quite pragmatic it was quite you know well sort of you know we were good we were good defensively we headed a lot of balls out of our own box and just that little bit of quality shone through in the end and that's what got us the win so yeah it was a typical Emery win yeah you're right we've we've seen it a couple of times haven't we even going back to to Tottenham away on New Year's Day I don't think the first half was brilliant but we were pragmatic we we sort of held Tottenham we went into nil-nil we came out a different team at halftime and that is your classic Emery performance Southampton away the same first half wasn't great got in at nil-nil reset reassessed and went in the second half and won one nil with a clean sheet happy days yesterday was similar at Everton like you absolutely cannot complain with that and that's what we're learning to see it's a good habit to get into um in terms of away games because we've had a 
for years we've had a horrible away record we really have and this time it's sort of the opposite where at home we're struggling we'll talk about about that in a little bit but away we're sort of learning to get into this habit aren't we and that that's really really impressive and if you can keep that going and be consistent that's so important and we've been some great sides on the road as well Tottenham Brighton Everton obviously isn't an easy place to go to Arsenal have lost there recently um under Dyche Everton have, have won their first two games at home so it was never going to be easy and that that is that's why it's such a good result a really really good result and it's such a good habit to get into isn't it away from home it really is you know it's, it's never easy to go away from home in the Premier League it's hard and I think I think there's no easy games in the Premier League anymore I know that's a bit of a cliched thing that everybody says but uh, that's true though I don't think there genuinely is any easy games in the league anymore and so for us to keep churning out the, the victories away from home it's pretty it's pretty impressive and yeah it looks like we are sort of more better suited at the moment to playing away from home but yeah I mean in terms of our away performances I mean long may it continue and um you know, we'd all love to we'd all love to go away like a Man City do and just absolutely slaughter people away from home and just dominate the whole game. But we've got to be realistic. There's not m- many teams that do that in this division. There really isn't. You know, you look at teams like Liverpool who've been brilliant over the years and yet they're struggling at the moment. And they went to Palace like yesterday, last night, and really weren't great at all. And so you see, you, you don't go to places and walk over teams. But you know, if you're going to places and picking up, you know, uh, wins consistently away from home and you and you're uh, you're scoring goals and you're you're not conceding many either, which which we're not. I mean, you look at Emery's record, and since he's come in, we've only dropped points away at Man City since since he's uh, since he's been the manager. You know, we had a dreadful first half at Man City, but we we had a, we had a better second half as well. I'm not saying we should have got something out of the game, but um, we didn't. We you know we put up a fight is what I'm trying to say, and we didn't perform that badly on that day either. You look at Emery's away record, and um, yeah, it's it's been incredible so far. And I think for us away fans, as you say, we've we sort of um, we've, we we haven't seen many have we over over the last few years or so we've not been brilliant away from home I mean especially under under Gerrard I mean this season we didn't we, we didn't win away under Gerrard and, until until he left and Emery came in so yeah we've been a bit starved of um of away three points and so um if that's if that's a habit we got into then yeah I'm all for that because it makes the day a hundred times better doesn't it as well it really does and, and pre-Everton I was a little bit worried obviously losing three in a row sort of we were in touching distance of sort of that seventh, eighth position, but losing three in a row, you sort of fallen off a little bit. And we are a classic mid, let's be realistic. Everyone talks about Europe. Let's be realistic. We are a mid-table club at the moment. We are a classic mid-table club. And towards the end of the season, we've seen it multiple times in the last few years. Our season sort of fizzled out. We're, we've become a little bit nothing. I think we need to be careful there because sides like Everton, we've got Bournemouth in a couple of weeks, uh, West Ham to play as well, Leicester to play. These sides are going to be absolutely scrapping for their lives. And we need to be careful that we don't just roll over to these sides and end up like we did last season, just finishing 14th or something rubbish like that. So that's why that win against Everton was brilliant because they were always going to be scrappy. They need, they're fighting for their lives. They want to get out of the relegation zone. They, they, Am I right in saying they've never been relegated or something, or even in the Premier yeah. League era? Sorry. So we we need to be careful that we don't just roll over to these sides that on paper you should be beating because it's it, it is towards the end of the season the business end. It is easy to lose to these sides. It's if we could sort out that if we could sort out that home form, um, it would be the difference between us being that mid-table club as we know we are at the moment and being a club really, you know, in the race for Europe sort of thing, if I'm being honest. I think that home form is what is stopping us from doing that at the moment. But we are a mid-table club, but I think the important... I was talking about this with somebody the other day, actually, and um, I think it's really important that we, we don't sort of slack off and we do mm. try and have a strong end to the season because it sort of helps you move into into the pre-season period and into momentum. next season with exactly that bit of momentum, a bit of confidence. And 
it sometimes helps you attract players into the club as well, though. You can say, yeah. look, this is this is what we did since the new manager was appointed. This is where we're heading. This is our ambitions. And then I think players can see it better more as well. They can see it as a bit of a clearer picture rather than if you're presenting to them going, yeah, yeah, these are our ambitions, but here's our last set of eight results. And we've only won two out of eight and, some, and they've been all against teams, not the low half the table. It doesn't look great. And I'm just thinking about the sort of, and the sort of confidence we went into the into the summer with last season, when 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 we finished it, when the season really petered out, and we went into the summer a bit, you know, okay, we had the confidence of, you know, we ended up getting Kamara in early, and we sort of signed Diego Carlos and whatever, but then I don't know, the summer felt a bit off for me last year. I, I don't know if it did for anybody else or, or you, but felt a bit off. I mean, we had like those pre-season games in Australia when they didn't didn't feel like they didn't feel as big as they probably should have done in the end. They felt a bit. Don't know, like like a bit nothingness for me, and the performances weren't particularly brilliant. And then I remember saying to you at Rem uh, the week before the season started, and we're coming out saying, "Do we do we really think that we're ready to start the season?" Like because for me, I was worried that it was only a week on, and our performance against Wren that day wasn't wasn't great. What what I remember of it anyway. It yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised you remember that day. To be honest, <laughs> from what I remember of it, and I have seen the highlights since, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't great. But no, to be fair, I do remember coming out there and saying. I genuinely worry for us that we're starting the Premier League season next week at Bournemouth, yeah. and um, and it, and those fears sort of came true in the end. And I, and I, again, I just think like if we'd had a, a stronger end to the season under Gerrard last season, I just wonder would our start have been better this you know this season, and would you know he, he might even still be here at this point. I mean, thank God he's not. But I'm just saying like it, it's a funny thing, momentum. It can do you know it can it can go obviously one of one of two ways really, and so. I just want I just want us to keep it going for throughout you know the last few months of this season and if we could cement that sort of mid-table finish I just think it would really help us moving into the summer signing players getting ready for next season and then giving it a real good go again next season. Yeah, I think it's it's one of them things that people look past isn't it how you end a season it momentum is so important again it's a football cliche but momentum is so important in terms of how you end the season go into pre-season and kick on in the following season and that's why I want us to end the season strong and not just roll over like we did last year and end up coming 14th 15th and letting like I remember last year I was fuming that Newcastle didn't win a game in like the first 20 and ended up finishing above us that says it all that absolutely says it all that should not have happened and that says how crap our end of the season was last year but we've gone off on a massive tangent we'll get back to the Everton game um going into the second half I think they probably had the, the best chance in the, in the opening sections of the second half, didn't they? With that uh, Mings clearing it off the line. I think Tarkowski sort of falls on constantly. He's just sort of laying there next to the post and it comes off his leg, flung up in the air. I think Martinez is brave and probably has a bit to say on that. I think it was more pie that gets a touch. But first place and Mings in the right place at the right time uh, reads it well. And goal line technology got involved, wasn't it? And I, obviously from where we were sat, we already talked about the pole, couldn't really see much. But looking back on it, fair play to Mings does really well there. Yeah, it's one of the dodgy ones as well. You watch the... You watch the replays of it though, and like it sort of like hits Mings his like like knee, doesn't it? And it sort of like rolls yeah. down his leg a little bit. And you think, oh my god, it's just going to go in. That is like how <laughs> how hasn't it gone in? Like you know what I mean? It just it feels like it's one of them ones that runs away from you and it's in the net before you know it, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, thank God. I mean, it was it was a lucky, it was a bit of a lucky break for Everton though. That was wasn't it? I mean, the shot just smashes Konza. And then Conz is lying there, doesn't even know what's happened, doesn't even know what's happened. And then he just bounces back and almost goes in the net. I mean, that would have been gone down as one of the luckiest goals that you've ever seen. That's you know? Villa, though. It would have gone down as one of the most Villa goals. Ever. It would have, but like, thank God it did it. Because imagine losing the game to that. I mean, that would have been so <laughs> gutted, wouldn't it? And so... Thank God for Tyron Mings being in the right place at the right time. I think from that point onwards, though, I think Villa controlled the game. I think our, our 
one of our biggest chances before we actually scored came literally just after that. Um, we've already talked about how we thought Jacob Ramsey was really impressive and this move obviously starts with him. A really good first touch, plays it down the left-hand side to Luca Dean. It's the Watkins header where Pickford, fair play to him, makes a really, really good save. From where we were, we're not even that far away. I thought it was in. I was looking at the referee. He was looking at his watch, but fair play. Watkins does everything right, heads it down, it's bouncing up. It's, it's a really, really good save from Pickford for me. I thought that was 1-0. Yeah, the whole, to be fair, the whole move was lovely though. I thought Ramsey was he was great uh, getting the getting the ball and then obviously he waited for Dino to get into that space and Dino it was probably the one, only the one time maybe he got forward um, but fair play to him he got into that position and he, he picked his spot perfectly didn't he I mean I think it might have been only like one, one of the only crosses he put in in the game to be honest he didn't get forward much Dino didn't but the, the one time he did he, he, he put in a beautiful ball right on Watkins head and yeah he had to I think to generate the power that he did was really good Watkins um, mm. but yeah Pickford made a a, yeah, a great save, and um, yeah, it, it did look like it was in from where we were. Um, obviously, we were all frantically looking at the the referee, the referee's watching the linesman. But um, yeah, no, it was a great save from Pitford. And I think we've we've sort of seen that save before, haven't we? He's quite, he, he, he tends to be quite good on those yeah. sort of sort of saves. And um, yeah, fair play to him. It was a it, it was a, a top draw save. Shortly after that, then John McGinn does really well, uh, closing Tarkowski down, who makes a mistake, puts it out for a throw in. Buendia comes on, I think, with Alex Moreno as well. Buendia's first touch to set up that penalty win from John McGinn. That was his first touch. I, I've only just watched the highlights back. I've only just realised that was his first touch. Unbelievable. Buendia does there. I was sort of watching him when that throwing was about to be taken. He was buzzing around. He wanted the ball. The first touch is excellent. John McGinn does well to burst into the box and force a poor mistake from uh, Idrissa Garnagay, of all people, to win the penalty. I've seen a few people say it wasn't a penalty. It's a penalty. It's the most penalty penalty you're ever going to see. Yeah, no, it was definitely. I think on, on Buendia... Um... I think that's what he brings to you. He's quite tenacious, isn't he? And he and he buzzes around, as you said. And um, he got straight into the action as soon as he came on. And uh, that little death touch to McGreek to, to to McGinn was great. And then McGinn with one of his sort of trademark sort of you know uh, drives towards the box, and then um, Idrissa Gay uh, sort of fouls him. And um, basically, I can see where people are coming from in terms of saying they thought he got the ball. If if you look at the angle, which has been the angle that's been shown most of the time. He looks like he has got the ball, to be fair. But then, when you look at the you look at the other angle of it, you actually see that first he actually clips his knee. Um, mm. He doesn't get the ball at all. Um, and to be fair, the referee made made made, it, made the right decision there, and obviously the VAR was happy with it. Um, it was a penalty, um, but yeah, it was nice play, nice play from us. And then. Obviously, Watkins stepped up and, um, yeah, a clinical sort of finish from the penalty spot, really. Really confident finish as well, wasn't it, from him? Is this going inside? Is this going in? Yeah. Goal. Simon Reckon's goal. That means goal. probably missing something obvious here but when was the last time we got a penalty I don't know it kind of feels like it's something unvilla. I feel like we don't get a lot of penalties I don't know whether that's just me being biased but do you remember the last time we got a penalty I don't have any stats here if anyone wants to let us know please do but I, I can't remember it I feel like Dan oh what now I do know I think it was at Brighton away oh yeah it was Brighton away when Danny I was gonna say I think it was Danny Ings who might have had a couple for us this season uh, we definitely had one at Brighton, Brighton away. Did we have one at home? Did we have one at home at some point? I, I don't know. But I'm game. Sh- was it the Brentford game, the four 0 Or am I making that up? It might, it might have been. 
I don't know if you noticed this as well. Um, this is one of the little things that I noticed. Buendia held the ball before the penalty was being taken. Buendia was holding the ball. And I was saying to you, Buendia, Buendia, why is he taking it? But I think that's actually quite clever because I think obviously they were thinking it might have gone to VAR and that takes five, six minutes, whatever. And if Watkins is stood there holding the ball for that that amount of time, it allows Pickford to get in his face, wind him up, whatever, put him off. I think that was a quite a clever move. I've seen it a few times where the player who's not actually taking the penalty but pretends like he is. But that was clever from Villa. I quite like that. Yeah, you're right, and that's just um, that's just triggered memory in my mind. Uh, we it was against Brentford, wasn't it? When when we thought Ashley Young was going to be taking it. Oh um, yeah. And then yeah, he did exactly the same, didn't he? Ashley Young held the ball for ages, like he was going to take it, and then obviously Danny Ings was giving it at the last minute. And so yeah, it's a good tactic. It gets them it gets them away from the action, doesn't it, for a few minutes so mm. they can concentrate, so the opposition defenders sort of aren't in the aren't in the ear of the player. And so, yeah, it's a good tactic. It's worked a couple of times for us now. So, yeah, yeah, not bad. It's a great penalty as well. The technique is brilliant. He sort of lashes it down the middle, doesn't he, Ollie Watkins? Real venom. And he's the king of the knee slide, Ollie Watkins. I don't know if you noticed it, but the confidence is flowing through his veins. Forget about the five and five. That knee slide for me. Absolutely excellent. Scenes in the away end, absolutely <laughs> unreal. Five and five. Yeah, he just he just looks like he's got that confidence flowing through him, doesn't it? And I, I think there was another moment in the game as well, um, where he had that he had that long range shot, didn't he? And like the sort of like the half volley sort of thing, was it? And like yeah, and like the keeper made a you know, he made an okay save. It was a, it was it was a save you'd expect him to make. But I remember looking at that thinking, God, the Ollie Watkins of old who hadn't got that confidence would never have tried yeah. a shot like that. And yet there he was, like pinging one from like twenty five, thirty yards, and um, and Pitford making a you know a decent sort of a decent sort of stop. But like that, I think it just shows you the confidence that he's got at the moment. And um, yeah, I think he's been given a lot of faith by the manager, hasn't he? You know, we sold mm. Danny Ings and we only brought Duran in. It's all on his shoulders, really, isn't it? But he stepped up to the plate really well. And uh, it's not even just his goal scoring though; it's his whole, it's his whole, it's his whole you know sort of sort of play within the game though it's his it's his hold up play running the channels I mean again he was involved in that second goal as well we'll go on to yeah. it but he was involved in that second goal when he held it up as well so he's all around play at the moment Watkins he's just yeah it's brilliant he's an absolute different beast when he's confident isn't he and unfortunately we probably haven't seen it enough in a Villa shirt. obviously first season uh, scored what 14 but we weren't in the stadiums and to see it in the flesh him being as confident he is he's an absolute different animal it's an absolute joy to watch as well the first player um, in the Premier League era for Aston Villa to score five and five like it's no mean feat is it and everyone was going about Almiron earlier on in the season he scored four and four I don't think Watkins is getting the sort of you know praise that he probably deserved for scoring five and five I know a couple of them or a few of them were in defeats of course but especially you know two of the five to be against the top two in the league I, ju- I just love him and we say it week in week out but Ollie Watkins at the moment mate unbelievable and you talked about the second goal as well underrated his hold up play is a joke so so underrated for me it's a long ball forward from the Tyro Mings it's a great first touch from Ollie Watkins and it allows John McGinn to create a three on three plays it to Buendia shifts it I think it's horrible defending but you know it's a great finish nevertheless nevertheless um, and that's 2-0 game over happy days yeah. Yeah, really great hold-up player from Watkins just to shift it out to McGinn straight away. I mean, 
you know, if you if you how many times you see players who who try and hold it up like that and it bounces off them, or, and we've seen mm. that with Watkins to be fair in the past, um, and yet this time he just he managed to hold it up beautifully, got it out of his feet really quickly into McGinn, and as you say, it just sort of it sped that attack up really, didn't it? It really yeah. sort of sped it up and it provided us that that bit of space and a lovely little bit of uh, skill from Brendier to shift it. Um, and then he beat Pitford at his near post. I think Pitford probably should have done a little bit better. And quite funny, actually. I mean, like, we, we saw it perfect from where we were sitting. We had yeah. no post in the way for this one. Um, <laughs> I was talking on the coach on the way back, and a couple of the blokes on the coach on the way back were talking about how, uh, from where they were sitting, they, they thought it had gone, gone into the side netting and they hadn't even celebrated. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I was like, that's mad, that is. Like, I thought it was a great goal. We were you know, we were sort of going absolutely mad, weren't we, when, when, he, when he got that goal. But, yeah, some people thought it hit the side netting. So, but, no, great, great finish, but just a great goal all round, really. And that's mm. where sometimes, you know, we, we sometimes will criticise about a long ball, but that's where a long ball really works, doesn't it? It gives you that, you know Watkins is going to provide you that outlet. And so, you know, Mings drills it down the field and, um, yeah, and he just holds it up brilliantly and just brings others into play. And we score very quickly from it. And uh, at 2-0 then, it's uh, it's game over, really, isn't it? Yeah, there, there was no danger of us not celebrating for that second goal. I think those no. wooden seats were getting a good old clattering in the, in the lower tier, weren't they? Brilliant yeah. scenes in that way. And it was absolutely brilliant. I think at 2-0, I think it's, it's pretty much game over, isn't it? There was absolutely no doubt in that. I was just wanting a clean sheet. Um, but I, I was never really worried about Everton. I mean, I overheard a conversation um, coming out of Goodison Park from a few Everton fans, and they were talking about the, the goal-scoring issue they've got. It's really, really bad. Like, it's a proper problem for them, and that might... Because I think they played some okay stuff at the weekend. I think they did. Mm. If they had a goal score, they'd probably be... Much, obviously, they'd be much further up the table. Dominic Calvert-Lewin doesn't seem to, to play much football these days for whatever reason. Neil Morpai really probably isn't up to the standard. Uh, they brought on a young lad called Sims towards the end of the game. Um, but I think just overhearing that conversation from Everton fans coming out of the stadium, I think it said it all, didn't it? And that could be their downfall uh, come the end of the season. I think there's two key areas for me. It's creating and it's obviously scoring as well. I think in terms of creating as well, they've got McNeil who hasn't, he's flat to deceive a little bit. He hasn't been brilliant for them. And then after that, it's a bit like who's going to really sort of create the chances. Damari Gray's yeah, a bit... Iwobi's like bang average, isn't he? Like... Damari Gray's a bit in and out of it. Tom Davis is very in and out of it as well. And so mm. they've not got anybody like really consistent to, to be able to create. And so they're not creating loads, number one. And so when the strikers are getting the chances, they're sort of snatching at these chances, aren't they? And at the moment, they're relying on more players probably not good enough and then the young lad Sims as well I I think they're really missing Calvert-Lewin aren't they and I, and I know he's had like major injury problems and I think he's been rushed back a few times which hasn't helped and he's got injured yeah. again you struggle to see where Everton's goals are going to come from and I said to you I think I think for me I think for me Bournemouth and Southampton will probably go anyway they'll probably drop um, and I still think for me it's out of Everton or Leeds for the other one and Leeds, Leeds are another team that's similar to Everton, really. I think they, they, they struggle with scoring goals as well. Like yesterday, they it took them until the 78th minute and then a piece of horrendous defending by uh, by, by, by yeah. Bednarek mainly for Southampton. The main man. Yeah, awful. I don't know if you've seen that, that one. But I have. Like, it was horrible. Oh, my God, dreadful. <laughs> I don't know what was... I mean, it wasn't all Bednarek's fault. There was about two or three pl- uh, times that they could have stopped it before that, but... Oh my god! What was he doing? Just standing there, proper, <laughs> proper weird. Like they could have just, so he, he could have just ha- like hacked it clear, couldn't he? But he just stood really weird, just stood there. It'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to end of the season. I, mean, I think it will come. 
down to a direct shootout, to be honest, between them two in terms of who can score the most goals. Yeah, I think obviously Ever- Everton drops into the relegation zone yesterday. Leeds winning obviously pushed them out of it. I think we'll probably see them two sort of change between now and the end of the season multiple times. But who cares? Because we support Villa, we don't really care um, about that. Who would your man of the match be yesterday? Because I thought there was a, a fair few candidates. I thought McGinn in the last two games has been absolutely exceptional, sort of the McGinn that we've missed and we've learned to, to know and love over the years, but we haven't seen enough of. I thought he was excellent. Jacob Ramsey was much better. He really was. Martinez was better, although he got books, which really wound me and you up. We'll talk about that in a minute. Tyra Mings was really good as well. There was a, a fair few standouts. I'll, pro- I'll probably go with John McGinn, purely because of how good he's been in the last two games, especially. He was excellent yesterday. Who would your man of the match be? Yeah, McGinn for me all day long. I think he, um, I think he sort of I think he sort of drove us forward and I think everything good we did sort of came through him yesterday. Um, he was involved, like I say, he was involved in both the goals and I just thought he's sort of, he was a sort of captain's performance from him really, really yeah. sort of defensively and and offensively. I thought he was, he was very, very good yesterday and so, um, and it's so good to see because he's such a nice bloke, isn't he? We all love John McGinn at Villa and, yeah. um, and it was, it was tough to watch him under, under, under Gerrard, wasn't it? He, he just wasn't. He just wasn't doing it, and um, I'm just so glad that he's one of the players that seems to have really thrived since Unai Emery's come in. Whatever Emery's done to him, whether it's the change of position or I don't know, whether it's that little bit of a confidence boost that he's given him again, I don't know. But he looks like a different player at the moment to me, and um, he's back to the John McGinn that, that that we all love. It's nice to see him thriving in that pretty much brand new position for him as well, isn't it? On that right-hand side, it allows him to sort of, obviously he's got to stick to that position, but it also allows him to basically yeah. go where he wants. We've seen it. I don't know whether you count the penalty win as an assist, but yeah, why not? Two assists yesterday. Obviously, it'd be nice to see him score a, a few more goals, but, you know, he's, he's such a joy to watch when he's in this sort of form, isn't he? So yeah, 100% man of the match um, for us yesterday, John McGinn. What do, you, what do you reckon to Bailey? Like, we've gone throughout this whole podcast, 45 minutes, talking about a good win away at Everton. We haven't even talked about Leon Bailey. What does that say? I thought he was coming back into the team. Disappointing again. I don't... What is it with Leon Bailey? Like, he'll come up with these... When he doesn't have to think about it, a bit like Gabby, really. He'll come up with these moments of brilliance with really good finishes. But for, for me, he's, he's got to do a bit more. I just I just don't think he was in it. Was he? he was just anonymous, no. I think, yesterday. I, I, don't, I don't think I remember anything particularly terribly did. But... I just he wasn't involved at all, was he? Um, and I and I said to you, like I said, he needs to be replaced today, doesn't he? You had one of them days when he just was not involved at all, and he's just a typically inconsistent winger, isn't he? You know, he'll pop up at Villa Park and he'll score, you know, a great finish around him with his left foot, but then you know you won't see him the following game and stuff. And this is what he is, and this is the problem at the moment for Villa. It's um, it's the reason why we chop and change a bit because we don't find that level of consistency and um. And it'll be one of them players that you know Emery will be looking at in, in the summer in terms of recruitment. I think that we need that. We do need that consistency in that position, though. I think last week we made a big talking point on uh, this is the most important bit of the podcast about Unai Emery's uh, fashion choices, about his um, body warmer that he wore last week. Luckily, this week there was no body warmer to be seen. But did you see his uh, new scarf that he's <laughs> he was wearing yesterday? What did, what did you make of that one? Because last week you said that you wanted uh, you fancied the body warmer. What did you make of the scarf? Can I be expecting to see you against Crystal Palace in the Unai Emery scarf, or what do you reckon? Do you know what I've got to say? I love the I love his style, honestly. Oh, like, he, he could wear anything, and you would love it, honestly. <laughs> No, honestly, I think every time I see him, you know, like even that weird shiny coat he wears, which he was wearing yesterday, I even I, I look at him and I think, to be fair, he pulls it off though. He does pull it off. Like he's a handsome man. I don't know if anyone else would be able to pull it off, but Unai pulls it off. And yeah, that little, <laughs> and I, I, I like the little scarf and the, like, the little tie sort of combination he was wearing. That was quite nice. And then 
yeah that shiny shiny coat i do like it i really i do i rate it when someone doesn't just go like full full tracksuit that's what i write and yeah. uh I like him. It's a little bit different, and, I, and I, yeah, I write that from memory. I, uh, I, I'll, I'll look forward to his, his choice of attire next week. Definitely. If Unai Emery ever comes out wearing Luke gear, your head would explode. Yeah, I it swear would. To God. Yeah, it would. Yeah, Jen. I think I think he'd suit it. I think the guys at Luke need to get on yeah. it. Send him a coat or something. You know, get, try and try and create like like a really sort of funky coat, which is like out, out of yeah. out, you know, like really like out of this world sort of thing. And then send it to Emery because whatever you do, he'll be able to pull it off. It's fine. Yeah. If anyone from Luke's listening, please do send a coat to Unai Emery. I mean, they sent a, a coat to Sean Dyche, didn't they, a few years ago when you had that sort of thing with John yeah. McGinn. They sent him a coat. So uh, Luke, if you're listening, send a coat to Unai Emery. <laughs> what are we talking? We're absolutely waffling at this point. We're absolutely waffling. Anyway, we'll wrap up then with the uh, the scenes after the game yesterday. It was brilliant. That away end was, was absolutely class. One of my favourite this season, without doubt. Um, Martinez singing uh, Villa, Villa, Villa after the game yesterday, throwing his arms around, giving his shirt away. Absolutely loving it. The away end singing Ollie Watkins five in a row as well. Just brilliant. And like the scenes after the game, after an away win, you can't beat them, can you? So good. Nah, and I thought the away fans were brilliant yesterday. I thought they were so, so good. And um, you know, in the second half, when we were, we were still nil-nil at this point, and we, we had a Unai Emery's Claren Blue Army go on for a good 15 minutes or so. I love that. Um, I love it. I just, yeah, I just, it was great. And I thought the away fans were just superb yesterday. Really good, really loud all through the game. Um, everyone felt like they were up for it, didn't they? Even at nil-nil, there weren't much moaning. And everyone was just really behind the team. And um, yeah, and I, I said it on Twitter, but you know, like I, I genuinely think the Villa away faithful are, are incredible. And I think, um, and, I, and I think, like I said, we, we sometimes get a bit of stick in terms of our home support at times. But I think Villa's away support is up there absolutely up there in the country with some of the best and um and yes they showed it again we were so loud and everyone was everyone was really behind the team and then obviously all the players celebrating with the fans after the game and it was yeah a joy to see and it just like it really sort of capped off um, a really really good afternoon for us great people the villa away fans great people like you see majority of the same faces week in week out seeing them in the pub just see like you you, you tend to not speak to each other do you in the mm. week maybe you do but you see them at the weekend you give them a hug in the pub or whatever you have a pint and it's just it is brilliant isn't it absolutely brilliant hugging strangers after you've scored like if you've never been involved in it, it it's quite hard to explain but once once you do get involved in it like we're so lucky aren't we we are really lucky and i yeah. absolutely love it and i would not change it for the world mate i absolutely love going away with the yeah. and especially when we're winning as well it just tops it off brilliantly yeah it does it's a, it is a privilege isn't it it's a real privilege and um you know there's only there's only three thousand sort of people that get to do it all the time and um you know and like we are we are sort of fortunate well i'd say yeah we are fortunate but we've, we've we've obviously put the miles and the effort and the money into it as well to to get to this sort of point and so yeah it, but it's great i, I absolutely love it and, uh, and as you say I, I wouldn't i wouldn't change it i wouldn't change for the world and just just even thinking about you know like even like like, like the blokes in front of us yesterday i don't think i'd ever met them before i don't think i'd ever seen them but you know throughout the game i was having a laugh with them and you know like yeah, yeah. you know really chatting really friendly and just celebrating with them and like like we'd known them forever and uh we've just got that common you know sort of common common thing in, in, in with each other aren't we? and it's supporting villa and it's following villa away so yeah away days you just can't beat it you really really can't beat it i love them and uh yeah especially when we're in the former in away from home it just makes things that much better 
I think that bloke, that poor bloke in front of us yesterday, I think I was on his back at one point after the second goal. Never met him before. I spoke to him in my life before that day. But honestly, I was on his back. It was brilliant. And that's, that's what makes away games brilliant. But however many games we win, we'll, we'll always be 11th. Like, I got a message from um, someone today saying, how are Villa, like, he's not even that involved in football. But like, they're saying, how are Villa still 11th? Like, it is funny, isn't it? Like, it is a little bit annoying. We don't take the opportunity to move up. Like, we, we had a great opportunity against Leicester to move into the top half and um, we didn't do it. And obviously we lost the, uh, the two games after that as well. So we don't help ourselves. And so, again, this week, oh, you know, this Crystal Palace game this weekend is sort of uh, on paper. It's one that Villa fans will be thinking it's a, you know, home banker. We'll get a win and we'll sort out these home problems. But again, it's a typical Villa fashion, isn't it? We could pull away from Palace quite comfortably this weekend there. And yeah. we could then, you know, with Chelsea's bad run of form, you know, we could be overtaking them and yet... It'd just be the Villa way, wouldn't it? Be the Villa way to, to 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 not you know take advantage of that. Let's just hope we do because you're right. We've been eleventh for ages, and it'd just be nice to push ourselves into that into that top ten because that's what that's what we need to be aiming for. Definitely, I think we need to be aiming for top ten this season. Um, and I think we can do. It. We've got the quality in there. We just need to show that little bit of consistency. Um, I'm sure we can do it, but. Yeah, I'm positive. I am positive. And I'm still positive even when we were losing against, you know, the, the City and the and the Arsenal game last week. You know, I thought we, we, we played well against Arsenal last week. There, there, was, there was parts of it which weren't great and everybody wasn't happy with clearly. But we, we played well. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm just positive about where we go. And I think, do you know what? I think I was saying to somebody last night that um, our home form is what's, is what's stopping us at the moment from being in contention into the European spots. But I think that's the only thing stopping us in the moment, and and I feel like we we're closer than we've ever been before for a very long time now, sort of thing. But so for me, it, it can only feel positive, and you're looking up rather than below below you all the time. And um, yeah, it just feels good that it doesn't feel like we're that far away from where we want to be, which, which which is really key. Yeah, if we can win this Palace game on Saturday at Villa Park and sort of do two things in one in terms of sorting the home form out as well as sort of pushing towards that top 10 because like I said Palace are that place below us they're four points below us so it'll be nice wouldn't it it'll be nice like I've already touched on Chelsea level on points we've got West Ham to play the week after Palace and then Bournemouth on paper those are games that you should be looking at but like I've already touched on those teams are going to be fighting for their lives and then after West Ham and Bournemouth it is Chelsea away half five on a Saturday down at Stamford Bridge that'll be lively and hopefully that have something riding on it because that'll be exciting. Hopefully we can leapfrog them, maybe go into the top 10. So exciting times, mate. I think that's a nice place to wrap up. I'm hearing that uh, you're jetting off tomorrow, aren't you? On a nice holiday, which we made 10 times better after a Villa win. So uh, someone's in for a nice week, catching a bit of sun, aren't you? Yeah, I certainly am, yeah. Uh, just using up my last little bit of annual leave from work and Lovely. recharging the batteries with a cheap £50 Ryanair flight out to the Canaries. So <laughs> yeah, just Monday to Friday because I wanted to make sure I'm back in time for the... Uh, the Crystal Palace game on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, Monday to Friday going tomorrow. So, yeah, it should be nice. Just a few days. A few days away, recharge the batteries. Yeah, it should be good. Lovely stuff, mate. That is a lovely way to end the podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Spotify, Apple, please do leave a review. It really makes uh, me happy. Yeah, please do that. Really, really nice. Go and check out the Villa on Tour video as well. Um, obviously, Everton, I've already said it. it was a great video. Really happy with it. So go and check that out. Without further ado, I shall see you on YouTube for the Crystal Palace game at Villa Park. I'm actually in corporate with the Prawn Sandwich Brigade, so thanks for Luke uh, for sorting that. Without further ado, I shall see you then. Up the Villa. <laughs> <laughs>